Welcome back to the saga continues an official podcast companion to the Hulu original series Wu-Tang and American Saga. I'm your host King Tech. This episode we're talking to the author, journalist and hip-hop historian Jeff Chang. We dive into Wu-Tang's mark on hip-hop and discuss the social forces that have changed things around the game of hip-hop and the history of hip-hop and my man definitely goes into writing his book Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Man, wait till we break this down. Y'all need to listen to this. Again, I told you, these podcasts are going to be a little uh, left field, and we're going to get deep. We're going to get... He's going to talk about when he met Jesus, by the way, which, you know, not a lot of people can talk about meeting Jesus. It's very rare. He met Jesus. Let's go. Jeff, what's up, man? How are you? Oh, man, it's good to see you. It's been so long. Oh, my God, brother. Um, So Alex told me that, you know, we're interviewing Jeff Chang, and I'm like thinking in my head, I was like, man, it sounds familiar, but it's been like 25 years, bro. Literally, man. Oh, man, you just outed our ages. No, 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 no. I I met you like in second grade. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Yeah. over the... Yeah, over the Kool Aid. And- uh, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. exactly. But <laughs> congratulations to you, number one. I, I researched you up yesterday, and I'm like, man, brother, you've done a lot of things. I was watching the whole Stanford uh, oh, thing. That was crazy. I actually took like pic snapshots of the screen. I what? was like, God damn, this brother is. <laughs> what made you like? I know when we first met, yeah, um, you would just take like doing, um, I guess covering records and and like talk about your early days i was a kid with the tape recorder running after you and sway going can i get a story can i get a story and you guys right, you guys right. were like what who what huh right this is like when uh when you guys were doing the dynamic force stuff and i was just a right I was a, I was a total stan um but yeah no i just wanted to say like thank you to you uh because I think you were like one of my first, very first stories, like one of my first one or two stories right. that I'd ever done in hip hop. And I, we appreciated you at the time, man, because at that time in the late 80s in the Bay Area, um, nobody really was trying to cover anything mm. coming out of the Bay Area. Yeah. Because New York was so powerful with Rakim and Big Daddy Kane and Def Jam, and it was just like, they, they just ruled the world. And the Bay Area cast, we felt like, you know, they, they knew Too Short, they kind of knew a little bit about Digital Underground was just coming up, yeah. and then Sway and Tech was kind of under under, and then the whole name Flynamic Force was the our, um, original crew. We were a bunch of B-Boys. Right, exactly. And when B-Boying died in 86, 87, Sway comes into the picture, and what he liked about what um, the crew represented and what we were what was like, you know, the cool thing was Tech was already, we were already on stage. We already knew how to put on a show. Right. We weren't just going to stand there and just like, Look at you. I was like, nah, sway the way. Because I was, I was performing at the opera house, closing it with B-Boying. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, if yeah. we're going to put a show together, let's make it dope. So we had dancers and breakers, and we were doing flips. And then, you know, I got on the turntables and did my thing. But thank you, man, because at that time, nobody would cover us. Well, I mean, that was the beginning, I think, of the hip-hop journalism piece. Because I remember my man, Davey D, who I'm actually, we're doing a new version of Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Why, is that, why are you doing a new version? Uh, it's a young adult version. See, Dave's got like a daughter who's, I think she's going to be 11 uh, this year. Okay. And uh, and so we were just like, yo, you know, now's the time to bring the hip hop stuff to the 11 year olds, the 12 year olds, the 14 year olds, you know? Right. So we're, we're taking this book and we're kind of breaking it back open, but it's so much fun for me because I get to work with Dave. I get to kind of, I used to read Dave's columns in BAM magazine. You remember BAM magazine? Absolutely. absolutely. And, and the thing that I loved was at that time, 
people didn't know it just yet. I mean, you all were about to blow it up nationally, right? But there was such a radio scene, there was such a dance scene, and there was a unique kind of Bay Area sound. And 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 uh, I mean, there's so many DJs and so many voices, and Dave was one of those people who did it all. Um, you guys were doing it all. You guys were our heroes, and. I mean, you know, that's partly why I think there's so many folks who came out of the Bay who are still doing it now, you know, who are oh, who still going large with it. Absolutely. I remember um, I wanted to be like the best DJ in the world, right? Mm. So I, I was practicing every day, every night till my fingers were literally bleeding. I had a cousin who used to stand by the SP1200 and I was like, start at 80 BPM. Yeah. And I'm just going to go chip, 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 chip. And it start make, raising the tempo for yeah. me until I can get to like 130. Yeah. But I'm like flying with the scratches. So yeah. we put out a record called We Want to Rock You. Oh, man. With and the bells. With the bells oh, and everything, the man. All the scratching. I want to be the number one guy in the world. And this, this is like Bay Area history a little bit. And then I'm in, a, I'm in Townsend standing there. And this little guy walks up to me. And he's like, hey, man, love your scratches, man. <laughs> Right, and I'm like, "What's your name, man?" He goes, "Cubert," <laughs> and I'm yep. like, "I'm like, man, get, dude, I don't want, I, I want to see some chicks in here. I don't want to talk to this dude." He's talking. <laughs> so when you did the flare, I was like, "Hey, hey listen, man, listen, bro, bro, just, uh, just move." But n- not knowing he's gonna become the greatest exactly. of all time, I'm like pushing yeah. him to the left of me, and 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 um, so at that, and then I took um what we did um to New York because I want to enter the new music seminar, mm-hmm. and this is when I found the politics of hip hop. Uh. Got there. Gave him the video. Man, I'm doing head spins. I stop. My foot comes on the fader mm. backwards. Mm. Scratches. Bells, 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 bells. You know, <laughs> bad, 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 bad. I'm doing a And they, they watched the video of Tommy Boy. This guy named Kevin Maxwell used to run the new music seminar. And he's watching it. And he's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll give you a call i'm like what, what? <laughs> and then just uh, done something that nobody's ever seen before nobody's ever seen because i'm an xb boy like i said so yeah. body tricks at that time were big and it was easy for me and then i found out and somebody when we were leaving they're like look joe cooley almost beat um cash money right and new york cannot handle any more djs coming from cali it's yep. not gonna it's not gonna happen for a while yeah and then they like ended up shutting it down because exactly. the Bay Area kind of took over. Bay Area West Coast kind of took it over. Exactly. In the 90s, so yeah. Let's talk but anyway. about the Wu Tang series, man. I, I, I want to yeah. talk about. So, have you watched all the episodes? I yet? have, man. It's an incredible series. Big up to Riza and Alex for giving, like, giving this kind of story uh, to us. You know, it's yeah. it's it's in some ways like so reflective. I think of of the way that we grew up. You know, right, right. and and I'm proud because I get to point to it and show my kids. Right. And be like, you know, this is the kind of stuff that influenced us. Right. This is the kinds of times that we went through. Right. Um, I mean, you know, you you were in the South Bay. I was in Oakland, Berkeley, you know. Right. right. Um, shit was crazy yeah. back then. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and so in some ways it's, 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 uh, it's just great for me. I feel amazed to, to be able to see it on the screen. Um. I think Ta-Nehisi Coates has said in, in the documentary on Wu, like he felt represented. I feel represented watching this series. So mm. it's an amazing thing. What was the sh- most shocking thing to you watching this, in your opinion? The shockingest thing, man? Um, I mean, it's a lot. I <laughs> Like the whole, the, the drive-by scene, I think in the beginning, that kind of blew me back. I didn't know. Out the gate. Yeah, just like right, at the, right up at the start. Right. And then to recognize that that's, yo, that's Ray, and that's like... <laughs> that's ghost like you know they become partners and right. and to be like damn like 
that was that was that blew me back. I I was reeling for that for a little bit. And then let's jump into some uh, episode six sure. stuff, man. So, okay. um, I don't know. There's a scene where um, they call another dude, Uncle Tom, mm-hmm. and he's a cop. Yeah. And how do you feel about that, man? Is that when I watched that scene? I knew the shit was about to happen. Right. Like I knew it was about to happen. When somebody goes, man, you fucking Uncle Tom, it just, it gets something out of you, whether you are a pedestrian or you're a cop. Yeah. And how do you feel about that scene in particular, man? Man, that scene, I got to say that scene, I mean, first of all, like the way that they scripted it, you know, like Riz and Alex, like how they, how they just dropped that, that scene right in. Um, I mean, that's how shit goes down, right? It's like right. a regular night. And then you, you're like, you're like Rodney King is just drinking with his boys. Right. And then he gets in the car and then he's getting chased and suddenly he's beaten. Right. right. And, and then he's, he's all over the world. And, and the same thing kind of, you know, Michael Brown, right. He goes right. to the store, you know, and then suddenly he's like shot dead in the street in Ferguson. And that's, that's how that stuff feels. Um, I mean, I had a lot of mixed emotions. I'll, I'll tell you straight. Like I grew up on a block. I grew up in Honolulu, Hawaii. Okay. I grew up in a block, and my mom, she worked for the police department. And I grew up on a block where there's a lot of police. So I grew up around police, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, it's good cops, and it's a lot of bad cops. And when I moved to California, I got to understand the bad cop thing of it. Because that was the times, right? How, that was, how so? That was when, a, when you understood, what do you mean um, you understood the... Because, so I lived, I lived in South Berkeley and behind my house was like a, a kind of a vacant lot. Okay. And in front, like I lived, I actually grew up in the, I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up there, but I, I lived in the spot where Johnny Otis grew up. He, Johnny Otis, the old bluesman. It was uh, one of these railroad houses where the top was a flat that you lived in and the bottom was like a store and they had converted it. Um, to two kind of houses but behind that was the old railroad tracks which were gone and it was a, a vacant lot okay. and the reason i say all this is because right at the bottom on the corner is where folks sold stuff all weekend um it was like the weekend spot so it was it was always blowing up and the cops would come through every once in a while raid it and they'd take the folks behind uh in the vacant lot and they beat the shit out of them and right. yeah and so we'd be sitting there in our in our laundry room, like staring out the back window, hollering at them, at the cops to stop. And I was like, that was a whole different vibe to see California cops, see, you know what I'm saying? Like Oakland p- police, Berkeley police, uh, to come down here in Los Angeles and feel like every time a LAPD rolled by, like something, like to feel fear of police. Wow. That was the first time I kind of I kind of started feeling that kind of thing, and like I said, I had grown up all around poli- police. You know, my mom was, um, you know, she was an office manager, but I knew everybody from the police chief all the way on down to the ranks, and I mean, folks on all these different types of levels. Right, right. Um, so for me to see that scene, um, it 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 evoked a lot of emotions for me, um, knowing that on on in in a lot of cases, some of the cops get in because they are they feel like they're legitimately trying to do good for the community, right? Mm -hmm. In Hawaii, the cops were the folks who protected um, the queen from the Americans when the Americans brought guns, you know? Um, And to know that history, right? And at the same time, to know what the cops are doing to Hawaiians now, right? So it's... What are they doing to Hawaiians now? Because I've heard two stories. Like when we were in Hawaii, um, they said that 
you know, some of the Hawaiians were really upset at all the tourists coming in and they would just come pick fights out of nowhere, just out of anger. Like they were like, yo, we can't come over here. We're going to come late night and just whoop some ass and, and go back. <laughs> I've heard that too. Yeah. So is there like some anger of like uh, how. I think there's that, but I think the other part of it is just the way that, that policing all across the country um, just preys on poor people. Right. And in Hawaii, like Hawaiians have been disenfranchised. Like, you know, folks have been, this is Hawaiian land and people have been systematically disenfranchised and the policing system maintains a lot of that type of stuff. So if you go to the jails, right. Right. And here's the thing is the jails are so full that folks actually now have to go to Arizona. They, they literally ship prisoners from the islands to Arizona and you go and see the folks who they're shipping and it's overwhelmingly Hawaiians, you know? Right. Um, and, and, that's that's the system that we live under right that's the system that of policing uh in the u.s you know started with policing um slaves right trying to trying to pull people back and so there's all these echoes of that for me there's all these echoes of that in in episode six like the way that that uh uh bobby's mom is getting treated that's like slavery right mm -hmm. she's like working there mm -hmm. and they're literally like no but you owe us right you know right um that's like that's like sharecropping type stuff that's like that that was a parallel i was seeing there and then with this particular situation this particular policeman i mean it's it's a particular i think what what alex and rizza did was they pulled out a particular um event that happened um which was you know, uh, the killing of this guy named Ernest Seon, who was an immigrant. And the, the cop didn't grow up very far from him. Like, they knew each other. Ernest and the, the cop, Donald Brown, Officer Donald Brown, who killed Ernest Seon in a similar type of situation, like strangled him to death, right? right. Like, they both grew up in, in Staten Island. They went to school together, I think, but they knew each other in the streets like that, right? So right. when, when, when uh, Hayes goes in and talks shit to 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 the cop right like that's there's history there right it's not just somebody popping up it's just like yo man like you know who i am i know who you are right why why are you trying to why are you trying to get off like that right and do flips and 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 kills the brother which is exactly right. what happened um in 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 staten island as wu-tang's come into prominence right? right right um and this happens literally on april 29th which anybody who lives in los angeles knows all about april 29th like this is two years literally the anniversary of the riots so like this is happening all across the country at that particular moment so that scene for me the suddenness of it um the fact that it's that all of these things are happening in that scene and what it represented generationally to me like it was it really impacted me. It was a really powerful scene to me. Hey man, that that's deep, brother. That's deep, man. I mean, it it, it definitely affected me also. Um, uh, my sister is a psychiatrist, mm. and and um, and she was saying that, that a lot of these things that the youth grow up grow up in are like paper cuts in their brains. Mm. So they see things and then they they bottle it in, they bottle it in, and then years later you don't understand why an eighteen year old black kid just explodes. Because it's years of, get your ass in the bus, do this, do that. Especially, you know, uh, us being from the Bay Area, the guy that introduced me to, um, to Sway, his name is Alski. We were all in this group, Flynamic Force, together, man. He was always telling us how fucked up the cops were in Oakland. But, you know, it wasn't our scene. We were in the studio or breakdancing or DJing or, like, what, 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 why do I keep messing with you? You know what I mean? But in a way, 
when they when all them brothers got into the drug thing, they were like, well, they forced us into it. Right. And I'm like, how did they force you into it? I don't even, but then years later, you get older, and you're like, man, if you've been fucked all your life, like you're a drug dealer, you might just turn into a drug dealer because you're like, man, you always said I was a piece of shit, so watch, I'm going to do this shit, and I'm going to get back at you. Right. That's how I felt about that, man. But it was Oof. deep scene, man. Yeah. It was deep, man, deep. Yeah. Well, a lot of this takes place in the 90s, man. And yeah. I know you're a 90s uh, expert. I mean, dude. I, I, <laughs> I lived I, through it just like you did. Yeah, man. So I guess I'm, I am I'm, expert, yeah. I was trying. <laughs> last night, I'm trying to get the audible uh, audio version of your book. And I'm thinking, man, I'll, I, you know, it's going to take me like, yeah. you know, an hour to Hours. go through it. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I downloaded, man, <laughs> about 4 p.m. yesterday. And I put the headphones on. And then, like. Two movies have gone by. My kids are yelling. They're like, oh, we want dinner. We want." I'm like, what time is it? <laughs> it's like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, it's like, I look at the, the, the my laptop. It says 19 hours <laughs> and 40 minutes. I'm like, bro. 19, Still faster than reading it, though. 19 but yeah. <laughs> hours. And, man, the way you were going through it, like, I was like, oh, my God. So you covered the, the B-Boy era? Yeah. So when, when Okay, through. so yeah. before we get into the 90s thing, I'll just give you some props. It felt like in your book you were going and researching with the OGs that were there. Yeah. None of this, Was this any of this your opinion or what, this were, you were going after facts? Yeah, I was going after facts. I mean, I... I um. And wait, wait, before, why? Why would somebody go that deep? Like what, you went from a journalist that was writing about, you know, Flynamic Forest, Swayantec, local Bay Area stuff to writing the the Bible of, of the book on hip hop. Like what, what day did you go, you know what? I'm gonna go find out who the fuck started this thing <laughs> from day one to day two to day. It's like all documented really well, as you were saying. So, yeah. you know, I, I was fascinated by the B-Boy stuff for sure. Because mm-hmm. uh, I knew all of that, that was my era. You know, the whole Beat Street, um, Rocksteady Crew. Uh, my mentor was Buck Four from Rocksteady uh, Crew. That's okay. why, you yeah, know, so yeah. we felt like in Bay Area, guys, we, you know, we felt like, man, when the OGs from New York are give, passing the baton to you, you better treat that shit right. A lot of um, old school hip hop, as we feel like hip hop is like a religion to us. It was like, man, even when I talk to my son about it to this day, even though the kids today don't have no idea because hip-hop now is hip-pop. Right. It's pop. It's not hip-hop. Yeah. Right? So I keep ex- trying to explain it to him. I was like, dude, we're watching a Spider-Man movie. This is not a hip-hop record, by the way, which you think is in here. Because he's singing <laughs> that shit. You know what I mean? He's singing in the theater. This is a dope rap hip-hop joint. This is not a hip-hop record. <laughs> we're watching Spider-Man, and this is, the, this is the pop record that's out that's in this shit right now. You know what I mean? So- yeah. Um, anyway, man, what made you decide all of a sudden to go, man, I'm not just going to get deep. Cause if I was going to do a book, I would pick out like, you know, like yeah. 82, 86, I'm yeah, done. Yeah. And you were like, yo, man. That's my favorite piece though. I mean, that's my favorite history too. Cause that was when we were all coming up. This is right. like, this is hitting us, like knocking us sideways. Like, wow, what is this shit? Right. I mean, this is our time too. Like where we're going, we don't need the stuff that our older cousins had like hip hop's for us, right? Right, right. And and uh like I was I so I was like you. I mean, I was I grew up in Hawaii and we just were fiending for anything that we could hear about, you know. Like my cousins older generation, the older generation folks, they all played folk rock or or jazz rock or that kind of stuff. They were into that. They were into playing bands, band music and all that kind of thing. Um and then, you know, like when my generation came along, it's like it was mad, like in Hawaii, there was mad development. There was a lot of buildings going up. 
and I just wanted to spray paint on them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> I was like, it's, it's way too much. It's not, it's not like it used to be. It's not as green as it used to be. I'm just mad at these things. Let me go paint my name on that shit. So that was part of it. And then also just seeing like these kids, you know, in New York, which was like, for me, the Far East, right? Like, right. that's like, what are they doing? They got their own swagger. They got their own thing. They, they, we just wanted to know everything about it. So I was a nerd for it from then. And but um, you're in the Bay, you're doing the journalism. And then, thing, yeah, as soon and as I got to the Bay, one day you're like watching TV, you watching Oprah or something, and you go, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna take the shit on. I'm gonna go I did it, and I research. Mean, no, I did thirty work. years of hip hop, man, <laughs> myself. I mean, Jesus, brother. I just <laughs> wanted to find out more about it. And at some point, you know, like we, you might remember, we did this label called Soul Sides, okay. with Shadow and DJ Shadow and Black Alicious and Sacramento, right? Lyrics Born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had okay, a show yeah, up. Yep. I had a radio show up in Sacramento. Sacramento and Davis to be specific right and uh we were doing it and so I was I, feel, I was feeling like I was expressing it that way right and then they transformed it into quantum and at that point I stepped back and um and that's when I decided I wanted to write the book um and so I lived in New York for a while got to hang around and, and follow the pioneers around and you know get to know her pretty well you know get to know uh, so give us a crazy Herc story, man. You know, I'm a hip hop nut, man. What, what, the first, give us the something. first time that I met Herc, like, he was like, yeah, all right, come. Well, we're talking about Cool Herc, the DJ guy cool pretty Herc. much known for starting hip hop. The, the reason that we're here. The reason yeah, that the we're, reason we're, we're sitting, sitting at this here, table, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, good. So I went to go meet Herc um, in Soundview, and, and he came along with Cindy. Uh, Cindy Campbell, who threw, you know, who organized the first party okay. that they, that, that Herc did. And, um, we are uh we're hanging out all day and we're just you know we're just talking and hanging out and stuff and it turned out it was the rock steady anniversary thing it was oh. rock steady anniversary day so i was like all right you know you want to come with me what, what year is this oh shoot i don't know man this is like 88 no it wasn't that far back i, <laughs> I was still 88 i was still writing about you oh, guys yeah, 92 we're so this is probably no nah, it's it's this is later on this is probably like 2000 oh oh damn like okay. it, was, it was much later okay it was much you. later yeah gotcha. but i was hanging with herc and, and herc is all like oh you're going down there like i'll drive you so we get in herc's beat up old van and he turns on like the oldie station because that's what he listens to and i'm like damn i'm in herc's van <laughs> yeah, like man. this is like this is the van that he was probably taking the speakers around to i was like i was nerding out and we went to the rock steady anniversary and then sex machine came on and like we nearly crashed because like he just got he was into it he was like bobbing his head dreads going up and down and that kind of not paying attention to the road like slamming on the brakes and and that kind of stuff because we get into traffic and i was like damn i'm in the van with well, her I, I gotta explain this man i gotta paint this for people man if you don't know who he's talking about this is like for hip-hop heads this is like he's on horseback next to jesus and they're walking together man that's what he's basically telling you about this van right now man i'm sorry go ahead man no, it was like yeah no it was, it was literally like being like 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 Riding shotgun with the three wise men. Or yeah, some yeah, shit. yeah. You exactly, know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. But this was Herc. This was like, yeah, Jesus. Like, we're yeah, gonna go, yeah. We're gonna go to the rock steady thing. I mean, that was to me. I'll never forget that. That's like one of those things I just take to my grave with me. Right. Like, right. Right. That I got to do this in my lifetime. So and and then so, fast forward, man. Yeah. What happens? And all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna stay in New York for the next yeah. so many years and dedicate my life to 
how did you make money doing this? Uh, I was, you know, I was writing. I was writing for The Source. I was writing for Vibe. I was writing. I was just freelancing, man. I was like, you know. And you were taking time the on the side yeah, to, to put the and, and book together. And writing the book. And uh, so the book took like about four or five years to write. Right. Um, and then it came out and, and I guess, yeah. What was, the, what, what was the Karis one beef situation, <laughs> man? Because I heard that he was angry about it at first. Yeah. Um, because Now, was he mad that he didn't write the book or wasn't involved in the book? Or was it more like, who the hell is this dude to tell us our story about? But at the same time, I think hip-hop is everybody's story. Like, if if anybody in this room, if they, they you know dedicate their lives to doing what you did, could find out the true story, too. So what was the argument with the beef about? Well, so he, I mean, it came out kind of a little bit, it had a little bit of that shade in it, but the truth is that I had known Chris from before, KRS from before, uh, because he had recorded with all my crew, you know, he'd, he'd recorded with, with, um, with Lyrics Boy and he'd, he'd worked with my folks. Right. Um, and I had interviewed him many times before that. Right. And I, you know, I, I, um, I had written about the stop the violence movement. I had I had gotten a couple of facts incorrect, so uh, so I needed to correct that. He needed to correct okay. me on that. That's okay. fair. That's okay. totally fair. Okay. Um, and uh, you know the I I don't know like the the bottom line is you know we we ended up doing a panel together, um, in Pennsylvania or something like that. I can't remember where it was, and I told the dude like you recognize that that uh chris doesn't really like my book too much but i would love to talk to chris about this so we 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 got together and talked about it and i just told him yo man i you know you know i got respect for you i had written a lot about chris and how much i respected him and the music and i did some of my best writing i think about about keras wins music um and i told him that and i said look if i got anything wrong or if i if it seemed i was trying to disrespect you like i would never try to do that straight up Right. So if there's something that you got, you know, a problem with me with, let me know. I'll correct that. What was the, what was the problem? I, still, I had a couple of things wrong on, on the Stop the Violence Movement. That's it? That was, well, I well, fixed how, it. Yeah, how wrong was it. it? Like, just what? I, you know what? I can't remember the details of it, and it doesn't really matter. You know, it, right. it was cool. I mean, it, he got some great music out of it. Um, him and Marley Ma went and cut a record, and they got some great music out of it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, no, you know, like, so it was what it was. Right. Um, but yeah, no, we're good. Me and Chris are good. Me and Chris so really. And, want- and I want to say too, in this new book, in this YA edition, like, I got a whole, like, I got, there's a lot to talk about with, with Boogie Down and Chris. The and YA Scott edition and is the new. That's the new edition that we're going to, that me and Davey D are, are working on for next year. That, the original or are you about to do it's a, a new- different? Yeah, it's kind of a different version. It's. It's really, it's really more of a direct hip hop history, and it's gonna go from like '68 to 2018, and it's gonna come out next summer. So, is it gonna be 19 hours, bro? It's 19, <laughs> 25 hours, 29. It's gonna say, but when we you get to, we three to cut weeks that down. of audio, we cut that down. T- turn your, make sure you go on vacation for three weeks and just chill on the beach <laughs> and put the headphones on. You can binge it. Now, um, you're a big Wu Tang fan, I know I for a fact, man. Yeah. What does Wu Tang mean to you? in general just with their place in hip-hop history i mean as a hip-hop fan you know i was just like every other kid in 93 um hearing the buzz first of all um out of coming out of new york about them and then wanting to hear the record then hearing the record and going wow we've never heard anything like this and this is like 
this is just after the riots and so like everything is popping like out here in la it's like freestyle fellowship far side everybody's popping like dre you know snoop snoop's coming up um and it it felt like new york was trying to come back for the crown but mm -hmm. like the thing that was amazing to me about it i think on a personal level too was there were so many references that that i could really get to being in you know having grown up like chinese and native hawaiian like and watching all the same flicks on on the weekend you know shows and the 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 channels the tv channels back home and stuff like i knew a lot of the movies and stuff maybe not to the extent that they had at that particular point but right. i was like oh yeah i i recognize all this all these things right and then and that combined though with the the mystery of it like them talking about like staten island in these ways that they're analogizing it to like shaolin and whatnot um i just wanted to find out so much more about it. there was so mysterious but also so like plow like right in your face about things right, right. um that was just irresistible man and and i think that it, it's never gone away i mean i think that the genius of of pulling together everybody all these different types of personalities there were just endless types of things and you could have endless debates about like who in the clan was better than the other person like mm -hmm. i know that that our entire generation grew up on that like mm -hmm. um and <coughs> and reciting the lyrics and the other part of it too that that i think um was so profound too was they also brought like this different type of flavor like this real um deep emotion to it so like the impact yeah you know like hearing like whatever met the man for the first time and just bo you know bobbing your head and just getting into it and just getting into that sort of narcotic state where you're just like wow like you know you're in there right but also like you know cream or can it be also also simple like like those songs being just just like capturing the deep heart of of what it means to struggle right um right. and recognizing that 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 is the same level as say a what's going on you know or a, or 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 a song like that what's happening brother you know like a marvin gay right. type of thing you know right. like the universality of that um coming from such deep pain i you, mean yeah they had it all they, they do a, have it all they do yeah. have it all yeah. yeah one of my uh little memories of it man was i don't know if you remember club mirage in, uh, mm -hmm. in san francisco hell yeah prince ice was a dj wu-tang clans performing and the crowd is not giving it up Word? literally not giving up because nobody knows them yet you know it's just oh, like the early early okay okay so they're going around performing and i'm we're watching it we're watching it and rizza seems very upset mm -hmm. when the show ends he goes god damn it man what the fuck was this who was in charge here for some reason everybody points at me so he at comes, you he comes up to me and i'm just i'm just there just watching he's like yo man what the fuck man what you know who we are not really and he's like yo man we the gods of this that boom he's banging you whatever yeah yeah and then i was like rizzo man you're not gonna win california by coming out with timberlands walking on stage mm -hmm. this is 93 bro like yeah. like you just mentioned it yeah. we got dre we yeah. got snoop we got Pac, we got all these things going yeah. on i was like you're not gonna win cali by forcing it you gotta win it with love and he goes with love how do you win it with love? i was like look move to the bay uh -huh. We was on KML at the time. I yeah. said, wherever you're at, we'll announce where you're at. So just call me and say, we're at Malibu Grand Prix in Oakland. And I'll say, catch Method Man, Arisa, Malibu Grand Prix. And when people come, show them love. Just don't pretend like 
you know, I mean, we know you're dope, but you don't want to be in their face like, we're fucking doper than you, don't you get it? <laughs> That's how they was performing. Yeah. And it wasn't, yeah. and then he took that, he's like, huh. So he moved to the Bay for like a month, man. Yeah. And uh, he wound up doing his, um, you know, route. And then I think he did it in L.A. also. Wow. But ultimately, man, you know, that was uh, something that a lot of people don't know that happened. And that's why I think they were so beloved around the country because they started going around performing. And Riz has got this open heart thing about him, man. It's yeah. like, I don't know, man. It's, he's a weird dude, but he's a genius in his own way that, that um, and I was talking to Alex about it, uh, the co-writer, uh, showrunner. And he explained to me what a showrunner was, man. Basically, runs the show, the whole show. Right. And yeah, which I didn't know what the hell a showrunner was. But you're King is. Tech. He's the king of the of, of the writers' room. Oh yeah, he's the yeah. king of the writers' room, man. Hey, Alex, shout out to Alex, man. He's in the room, man. <laughs> but yeah, man, I just want to say that 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 story's um very correct, man. When you're talking about you know what Wu Tang meant to us, but now fast forward. Mm. Now, I mean, you've been kind of documenting the history of hip hop. What's happened to hip hop now, man? What's going on? What's, talk to me, bro. There's a lot of people that are confused walking around. You know, we need therapy sessions, man. I'm watching reruns of Oprah every night. I'm like, it's bad, man. Talk to me. What? How do we fix? And what happened? And, I, and, and I'm going to let you go because part of your, um, when I was listening to the audio, when you got to the radio cameo oh, part yeah. of it, um, you know, we have some deep stories of oh, yeah. what happened to this generation when it comes to music. Mm -hmm. and, but I'm going to let you go first. In your opinion, what has been the shift of, so now you got guys like Wu-Tang gave birth to most Def and Talib, and then you had Nas, and then you had like the 90s were like, we, we thought, you know, the bar is going to be the next, man, who's going to come? Then Eminem came, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, 2002? Mm-hmm. Three, four, five, you got maybe a 50 cent and a game. And then the lyrical movement just kind of mm. took a dive. And it became all about just fucking partying and just hanging out, you know, whatever, whatever. And then now I don't even know what it's at. So can you can you please help us? Ah, wow, Dr. man. Jeff. That's a, yeah. You don't, you, Tech, you're not asking me like easy questions here. I'm sorry, brother. This is, I, th Alex I thought told this me, was man, supposed to be real easy. No, no, no. Like, he said, we're going to do a podcast. Sunday shock people. This is you know? it, brother. I'm here on a Sunday. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to, I want to, what's that movie, man? <laughs> you can't handle the truth. I want some answers, damn it. Go ahead, man. Yeah, man. A uh, few good men. Yeah, yeah. So, no, um, Ah, oh, man. You know, the book came out in 2005, and I think that part of the reason that um, the book hit was because people were feeling that, that kind of a way about hip-hop at that particular moment. And for for a lot of us who had been, you know, in and around the industry and the movement for a long time, one of the things that was really disappointing to us was... Um, it felt like the industry was collapsing and everybody like that had had jobs that were doing it big mm -hmm. were getting fired. Mm -hmm. um, the distributors were closing. The record stores were closing. Mm -hmm. um, radio was, you know, I mean, Changing. we we could talk about radio. <laughs> radio. I know we. Could, I know you. You, oh, you yeah, could talk man. about radio, and I could talk about radio for for another four hours. But um, radio was playing the same songs, five songs from here to kenya i think radio has a huge blame a huge blame in the part of this man yeah unfortunately yeah and i mean you guys part of part of it is everything that was so revolutionary about that particular period in the early 90s it felt like 
it felt like a lot of people in power just saw that and didn't want that to continue. Like mm -hmm. if you're like Wu-Tang Clan and you revolutionize the game by saying you can only send us as a group and everybody else is going to. And then you got you like they had control of the corporations promoting them mm -hmm. like, you know, I, they're going to turn the tables at, at some point. They're going to try to turn the tables at some point, I feel like. Um, I don't know if that's happening to TV right now, actually, to be honest, you know? What do that's you a mean, whole other thing. Yeah, that's, another, okay. that's a whole other thing. That's we can another talk, podcast. We can bring, yeah, that's another, that's another podcast. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'm saying like the 90s were like this whole piece where it was like, like there was all this diversity. Okay. And, and that's like how hip hop thrives because hip hop has always been about like, you tell your story, I'll tell you mine. Right. And somewhere we're going to meet in the middle. Like I was, I was on this panel with RZA and I was just tripping because like I'm this kid who grows up in Hawaii and I'm, I'm idolizing kids in New York who are, who are doing hip hop. And he's this kid who's growing up in New York and he's idolizing kids in China who are doing martial arts. Like, and here we are like having a conversation, like right. that's the power of hip hop. But I feel like the corporations in, in many ways, like wanted to, or didn't recognize that that was what the power was. So they killed the golden goose and they figured that like, we're trying to, we'll try to wring all the profits that we can get out of this. And they change all the structures that actually end up hurting the artists in the long run. Right. And that actually work against diversity. Right. Um, you know, and, and so I feel like that's what happened around the 2000s and the whole thing kind of shifts. I mean, I feel like now is actually better than when the book came out. Because now, it's, if you're a kid that wants to, like my kids, they make music, you know, and they can, they have the technology to do it. They have the technology to put it online. Mm -hmm. They can find other people, like they're recording with people all around the world, you know, mm -hmm. and that's pretty amazing to me. Um, and out of that, you know, the, the new generation finds the new heroes, right? So we get a Kendrick who wins a, like you know, uh, a, you know, Pulitzer, that kind of thing, you know, like mm -hmm. we find like, uh, uh, artists, people like our age, like Ava DuVernay, like, you know, can find their voice and, and make it possible for all these other folks to find their voices too. And, and it just kind of keeps going. I mean, I, I try to be that dude who's like glasses half full. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I know what we lost. And I, you know, I was talking with my man, Chael Coker about this yesterday. Like mm. there's, there's, um, you know, it, in some ways, like you, we can get to sound like them old men, like right. you know what I mean. What like, happened to hip hop? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> up in the up in the balcony and stuff, yeah. you know, like. But um, but we know it was lost, and I think that that's yeah. part of our 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 th part of our thing. Part of the thing that I was doing as as a teacher, right, is right. to try to not Chris, not being the teacher, but like being a teacher, like a professor, was to be able to say that these these are the things that we lost. Right. And you can you can try to figure out the new ways to try to get it back. Right. Or build that out. You right. know what I mean? Right, to right. what it, what it is that you're building now. So I try to be halfway optimistic about things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, man, um, to add, you know, for your next book, you can you can <laughs> <laughs> I'll credit you. Yeah, yeah, credit yeah. this, man, because I I'll tell you that um being in radio for we, we a lot of people don't know, the Bay Area gave birth to bringing hip-hop back on radio so in the early 80s of course it was all new york new york new york then you know nwa comes out and everybody wants to ban hip-hop around the country mm -hmm. 
So there was a DJ battle at City Nights. I won the battle. Keaton Athlete puts me on and says, play nothing but pop music tonight. All right, buddy? <laughs> I went to the station and gave them nothing but a hip-hop mix, turned it in the last minute so they couldn't listen to it. It went on the air, and it was like the Big Bang again, part two. Yeah. So that gave birth to, wait, shit, if everybody liked what he did, why don't we give him another, you know, uh, it was called a King Tech Mix Show at the time. Yeah. I used to tape those. Yeah, man. Yeah. It, I, I used to spend a week, so I'd borrow Dan Nakamura's uh, Real to Real. Oh, Real to Real. Yeah, okay. and I used to just splice, splice, splice. splice. Yeah. So I was going to San Francisco State, and I was splicing it, and I just wanted them to be incredible. So, Dan but the it, Automator. Dan the Automator, and yeah. it was killing me every week. So finally, after about six, seven months, Keith, you know, sits me down, a PD of the came in, I said, what, what do you want to, what's next for you? I was like, man, I got this dude. Sway got a great voice. You know, we got, we rap, we got make music together, but I would like to play the records and have them talk about the records so that the Bay Area could know what these records are, man. Cause I mean, I feel like in a 40 minute mix, you tape it, you go home and rock it for a week. And then what, 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 what are the songs? What, what did you play? So he's like, all right, I'll give you guys a shot. And that's the birth of the wake up show. And we yeah. brought in Kevy Kev. We yeah. brought in anybody who was Davey, you brought in every, yeah, anybody you know, who was, was up in there. Yeah. Everybody who was into hip hop. I think yeah. we didn't treat it like it was our shit. We felt like hip hop needed a, a platform to be heard. Yeah. So from like eighty nine, ninety, ninety one, all the way to ninety four, ninety five, we were always fighting to get hip hop on the radio. Anybody who had a good record, we'd be like, please play Black Sheep, this is gonna be big. No, it's not. Biggest record in the country. Play EPMD's gonna, biggest record in the country. So we were always begging. About 95, 96, Time Magazine puts out, um, hip hop is here to stay, Lauren Hill on the cover. All the radio stations were like, oh shit, we've been fighting <laughs> this this whole time. Yeah. There, was a, there was a mandatory meeting, all of a sudden every station, we're gonna start playing hip hop. Now, they're going and asking people around the station, not their DJs that have been there begging them for, not those guys, the consultants in Chicago and here and there. All of a sudden, these guys who have never understood hip-hop show up to these stations and try to program them. And we come into the station like, who is this dude? And uh, at our station, we were at the beat at the time. She finally asked us, like, listen, I got this guy on my ass telling me to add these records. What do you think? Um, no, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. That was Michelle, right? Yeah, Michelle. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to her. Yeah. Um, she was brave enough to go, you know what, Tech? I'm going to go against the grain. You and Revolution, give me 100 records. And I'll put it in, the, I'll, put, I'll rotate it throughout the week. So Rev and I, our DJ, DJ Revolution, we have a crazy record collection. We gave it to him. So the station started to take off. And once that exploded, I mean, shout out to her, man. She was, she had the vision. Then the whole country took up this phrase, hip hop and R&B became yeah. like pretty much what it is. And then by 99, you had the same meeting with these guys, and they're like, hey, do we really need these guys now? Yeah. Because we figured the formula. Yeah. The past four years, we don't, do we need a red alert? Do we need a sway yeah. tech? Do yeah. we need a... So once you took the OGs who had the passion for it out the door, um, out the window, whatever, then all of a sudden, man, the opinions of people that didn't matter at all. Like It's like having me program a, a heavy metal station. Right. Like I don't know shit about heavy metal, right? But yeah. I get the job. I'm making two fifty a year, and they come to me and go, "Hey, here's five records. Which one you want to play?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the baseline in this one. Yeah, let's. This is the one. You know what I mean? Because uh -huh. you had yeah. to front like you knew what the hell you were saying. Yeah. And um, I think that that when you start playing whack or not the best records on the radio, now you're a kid growing up going, "Wait a second, man." I can make this shit. This right. is horrible. Mm -hmm. So we start to find out around the country, man, as, as, as they monopolize radio stations, 
they put a demand in there. Hey, what records you got to play? Right. So pretty much the end of the wake up show on mainstream radio was they sat us down. They were like, hey, can you guys play this Jay-Z song just to see what happens? And Internet was kind of new. We had a message board. We played one Jay-Z record and he was pretty much hip hop at the time. The message board wrote, sell out, sell out, sell out, motherfucker sold out, sell out, what's that, boom, man, what the fuck are y'all doing, did it, the whole, you know what I mean? Wow. So Sway and, Sway and Tech, Revolution, we sit in the room, we go, hey man, it might be time to leave radio. Because what yeah. we love to do, what's in our heart, they're telling us that, you know what I mean? Like, they're t telling us we have to start playing these records. And um, long story short, whatever, man, I'm at a b-boy battle a year later. And they're playing Come With It, a record I produced on the Street Fighter soundtrack. And they're breakdancing to it. So this guy comes up to me. He's like, Tech, I just want to tell you, man, I worked at, um, what's the company that keeps the ratings? Uh, I forgot what it was called. Arbitron? Man. Arbitron. Nielsen? Yeah, what what no. are those two? Yeah, because I right. work in those companies, man. And I just want to tell you, man, you guys were number one every Saturday night for nine years. Nine years. And I'm like, why did they let us go? We were number one. That's because we, we were going against the mainstream against what, what the next thing was going to be. And we couldn't do it in our soul. So again, for your book, man, 2005, six, seven sways in New York, they put them on high 97 and sways like, dude, I'm on Mecca of band. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play the new shit, mm -hmm. but I'm going to start giving OGs spotlights. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring premiere, mm -hmm. you know, guru. I'm going to bring, you know, the beat nuts, you know, not the whole four hours. Obviously you give them 15 minutes spotlight, this and that. They take him to the side one day and go, hey, <clears throat> sorry, man, can, can we talk to you, man? Yeah, yeah what's, you guys look like what I'm doing? No. No, man. This is, we, we didn't bring you here to fucking resurrect hip-hop for, for <laughs> New York, man. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Wow. And, man, I, I got to tell you, it was one of the most heartbreaking moments of his life. Wow. The dude had to take two days off for it to be... It was like, this is what it felt like to him. You finally go to Mecca, to like, I'm a Muslim. I'm about to, whoo, I'm about to go to Holy Land. Yeah. And you get there, and they're like, no, hey, hey, Sway, there's some bullshit right here, bro. You, 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 you're drinking the juice? Don't drink the juice. This shit ain't real. You know what we're doing here, right, Sway? And he's like, no, no, no. I thought it was like this, this. And they were like, no, 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 no. We made all that shit up to get this, this, this cracking. It really killed him. It literally killed him, man. So he called me two days later and was like, wow, man. They're telling me not to put on any of the OGs that made New York into New York hip. Like what we grew up loving, they don't want it on the radio. And he couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So then he had to go back just to do his MTV gig. And, 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 and you know, at 2010, M came calling like, hey, we got Shade 45 cracking. Yeah. What do y'all want to do? Yeah. And, and then that, you know, that. So, uh, you know, the thing about it, too, man, that's like a heartbreaking ass story. And uh, I don't know. Maybe if don't put it in the book. Man. I don't want to be depressed you know what, right man? now. I don't want but, kids committing suicide over that one <laughs> chapter. It's like, oh, shit. We but got you know what? The, the, the flip side of that is, though, I mean, the thing that keeps me like always optimistic about hip hop. Yeah. Is that it's always real, recognized as real, right? Right. So if you're doing the real thing, like, and you're connecting that way, you're gonna you're gonna find the connection. Folks are gonna find their way to you, right? Folks are gonna find their way to 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 uh to 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 shave four or five and and hear sway in the morning, right? Folks are finding their way to your stuff, right? Right. Folks are finding their way to to Hulu to to check out you know the American Wu Tang American Saga like right. folks find that stuff and they keep that and they hold it and they lift it up because like that's the thing is that's the revolution I think I feel like we we were able to accomplish right mm -hmm. we we like 
we we're fighting this stuff all the time but i think we also raised the 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 bar in terms of the kinds of things that folks um are expecting mm-hmm. right they're not expecting no pat boom shit you know like mm-hmm. like vanilla ice is still a joke and right. it was at one point right in, in the late 80s we were like damn like this shit could really end right now because of this one white dude from dallas fucking texas you know what i mean <laughs> right, right right and like that's not even a that's not even a problem now so right. I, I mean i try to be like again i try to be like glass half full i really appreciate that story man because it needs to be told it needs to be told it needs to be told i think to you should write that book i'll help you write that book yeah man are we doing are we doing a deal right now bro we'll is, do this, it right alex here, right? man <laughs> alex has become my new manager bro I, he's like my therapist i call him at night hey bro this is the shit that has like tech tech calm down you know he's younger than me man so he's a little bit more reserved he's cool man i'm like yeah. ready to fight everybody man but but because yeah. you know to see sway heartbroken man yeah. um for people that don't know, we showed everybody love when they came from New York. When you, right. we were DJs in Cali, so we're like, dude, we, you're gods. You to guys us put when you so come. many people on. Uh, everybody, so many people on. Yeah, anybody, yeah, everybody. Came, and, and so by '93, yeah. there was this thing called a Gavin convention, right. and pretty much the word that was Brian Sampson used to put it on, and and they were like, look, if you want to be relevant in hip hop, you gotta go to the Wake Up Show. Cameo, Keith gave us seven hours to do whatever the fuck we wanted to do mm-hmm. in the lobby. Was Jay Z, Lauren Hill, Born Americans, Gangstar, Big L, Nas. I mean, you just pretty much it was like a historical, and we were trying to get everybody in and out of there as fast as we could. Um, but that was the love that we had for hip hop because, again, us being artists ourselves, we didn't want to treat artists bad. Yeah. We didn't. We never. Sway and I never looked at ourselves as superstars. Mm-hmm. So when we interviews uh, interviewed people. We treated them like you're the star. You know, what I mean, like I'm talking to you now. To me, it's like, wow, man, you did this, you did. But there was some cast that are that later on, the DJs that get on the radio, they're like, fuck that, I'm the star. You know what I mean? And it was like, no, 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 no bro, like, no, the, no, no, we don't yeah. feel like we didn't fit. We're like, look, man, we knew how hard it was to get here. To this day, um, Sway still would respect anybody on the street. Like the dude, we went to New York to see him, and we're walking like two blocks. The two blocks takes about two hours. Yep. Homeless guy stopped him, started crying. Wow. That was 15 minutes. Yeah. The next person stopped him, <laughs> took two pictures with him. That was about five minutes. I mean, the guy on a, yep. on a bike was going full speed in the street. Uh-huh. Ah, cars like, hey, he's like, Sway, <laughs> what up, man? Yeah. And Sway's yelling at him. I thought he knew the dude. They had a five-minute conversation. I'm like, who the hell was that? Like, I don't know, bro. But that's, <laughs> I see you that know, so, too. Yeah. and I think that's Bay Area love, man. Like, yeah. we have this thing, like, when you come from the Bay, you 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 respect everybody. You do. You yeah. grow up with all these different cultures together. Yeah. I, I went to uh, Aptis. I went to Bret Hart uh, in, in Hunters Point. Uh, we moved to South Hayward. Mm. And, you know, these are all different cultural things, and we got to respect everybody. But right. you know, I'm watching your speech on Stanford, bro, and I took a screenshot. Oh shit! Yeah, to this part, <laughs> and I was like, man, when you, when it, I, I want you to explain this to me, man, like. I Let's was like, this. yo, this is a, this. a part of your speech uh, in Stanford. You put it on the screen. What does hip-hop say about inequality in American geography now? Why has hip-hop gone all around the world? How is hip-hop both a place for memory and prophecy? Oh, shit. I was like, this is some deep shit. I was like, yo, I'm going to take a screenshot of this <laughs> and bring it to the interview, man. I'm like, bro. Yo, the, I, I got to just like, this now trick, that I'm not. Is, is this a trick question, bro? Like, yeah, is no, this, see, is this, see, here's the deal, right? So, yeah. so now that I'm not a professor anymore, 
I can reveal all my secrets. Like the questions that I can't answer, I make my students answer and turn in papers on shit. So then I'll be like, okay, cool. That thank you for that. Thank you for the answers. You know what I mean? I like this. You get a you get an A. I, I don't like that. You get a C. So yeah, no, I. Um, but it, was this, but, the, was but that's this? what I'm saying. Like that's that's how far we've come with hip hop, right? Right. We were just like whatever, like kids scuffling on the streets, like me spray painting tags you like spinning on your head right and now we're like able to talk about this movement this culture you know that was gifted to us you know from the african diaspora right to be able to talk about these questions the big questions in american society and global society right inequality right like right. where f segregation and where people uh, live where people are forced to live right right um and then how we get out of this right how we how we like do things like what you're doing right now like telling stories right. that the shorties need to know right. about how we got here and then also listening to the shorties for like what's coming next you know right. like that's the thing that 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 again keeps me like keeps me feeling like satisfied like i found you know at 12 years old you know like my 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 calling like a purpose right, you know right and um and that's that's just the beautiful thing the fact that we're here you know so, so yeah. in, in doing so, the research for yeah. your book man I, I gotta ask you this <laughs> what was your highest high and what was your lowest low and what you discovered in the in your journey in hip-hop i know i'm getting deep on you bro Ooh, um uh, what was the beside walking with jesus <laughs> on on horseback man right was, yeah yeah <laughs> to the rock city anniversary. yeah 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 that's that's a big one but what what was your like high, like oh my god i didn't know this shit is like you know i think you know for me probably the highest high and the lowest low was being able to actually meet the folks um well to meet everybody you know and then and then to be humbled by like what people the work that people put in you know what i mean to to be able to understand that folks were doing this because they loved it so much. They didn't have like a multi-million dollar payoff at the end of this. Right. And, and, uh, they were doing it because, um, they were dedicated to it. They were dedicated to the craft. They were dedicated to the community, the community that they were making to each other, you know, and that, that was bringing them out of, out of violence it was given a way to, to allow them to step away from So you didn't violence. have one like, oh my God moment? No, so this is what I'm about to say. Is so, so like sitting with like the pioneers and being able to hear that, right? Told, and told that story being told in a million different types of ways, mm -hmm. but also to be able to meet the folks who came before them, right? Mm -hmm. The gang members from the Bronx. Um, I, um, I was able to meet a lot of these folks because of a uh, a jewish woman who lived at the chelsea hotel um and uh, named rita fetcher and henry chalfont who as if you're a graffiti writer you know right. henry chalfont's name he's he's um a genius and he's the one who documented the graffiti movement and henry and rita introduced me to a lot of these old gang members and to be able to go and sit in their houses right to know the the lives that these folks had lived right, right. growing up with all kinds of shit in their household domestic violence Right. Um, you know, shootings, stabbings, jail time, the whole nine, and uh, and yet finding a way towards making peace about that. You know, mm -hmm. Tr trying to find a way to get together to be able to make it better for the folks who would come after them, and that was what hip hop was, right? Right. Like to me, that was both the highest high and the lowest low together. Because 
the highest high because you think about it, right? Like these gang members, you know, these guys, you know, we're, I'm sitting in, in living rooms and stuff and we're drinking Miller beer and they've got, they still, they still wear their, their colors, their, they do, they do their motorcycle rides every weekend. You know what I mean? Um, we just, you know, and we're just sitting there. You're talking about East Coast gang members, right? In the, talking, Bronx, in the yeah, Bronx. In the Bronx. In the Bronx. And, and, um, you know, they still got, they, they still got love for each other and look out for each other. And there's things, there's stories that I would ask them about and they're like, you just, they're not going to tell you, you know what I mean? And even now people are like, well, what are the stories that, that, that you didn't put in the book? And I'm like, I can't tell you. Right. You you can't tell everything that you know. Right. Right. right? Wow. And so like some of those kinds of things, like recognizing like real lives were here. It's not just it's not academic. Right? right. And then at the same time, like if they hadn't figured out how to build a piece, like we wouldn't be sitting here, you know, um, and then working through it all. The You know, like that's the thing about Zulu Nation, you know, um, and all of these different types of groups that folks have put together like the the wu-tang mm. wu-tang right wu-tang itself is that is these folks turning away and that's what the that's what the american saga is about right like right. turning away from destruction and moving towards um creativity and and lifting everybody up in that way so when rizza gets like hella deep and philosophical and that kind of thing right. it's it's to me like that that was hard earned that was really yeah. hard earned you know yeah and people like will joke about him being kind of a a buddha-esque type of character but right. that i mean all of that stuff was hard earned he put the time in he i mean he put the work he put the time in and and that's what he's got and that's what he's got to tell us that's the jewels of wisdom that is there in his work in all of the wu-tang members work you right, know right i think about you god's biography autobiography right, i right. think about like all of the all of the albums that these guys have put out you know right, what i mean right and that's like that's all jewels that's all pieces of the puzzle that can help us in our lives Absolutely. no matter how old you are I'm, I'm i'm honored to be a part of it man honestly i have mm -hmm. a small little role with just putting music here and there man but um, I got to learn a lot about the group, about what's happening, and I got to meet, you know, Alex and different um, members of, of the team, and I was like, yo, man, this is dope, man. Finally, somebody's coming out with a story that, because I, I thought, like, when they did a Straight out of Compton, I was like, this is dope, but it was like, yeah, it was dope, yeah. but they left a lot of shit out. A lot of shit, yeah. Um, and I think it was done on purpose mm. um, because now a lot of these guys have huge headphone deals and Apple deals and, uh, you know, value meal deals and whatever you want to call <laughs> stock deals. And so you, you yeah. couldn't show, a, you know, somebody beating down somebody in the bathroom with a bat. You, you couldn't show that. You know what yeah, I mean? You have to yeah. keep it. But... Um, with RZA, especially on one of the episodes, um, we're showing, you know, he's Prince Rakim, the OG dude. You know what I mean? And I don't, know, I don't think it's one of his proudest moments or whatever, man, but it is what it is. You know, he was Prince Rakim. The Jizza was the Jizza. So to me, that the episodes are dope because it's as close as you're going to get to the truth and they're, they're putting it all out there. They put it all out there. Yeah. yeah. The good, the bad, the ugly. The good, bad, the ugly, man. I think that's it, brother, man. We are done. I'll be good, fellas. Team, can we get a round of applause? Yeah. Everybody, everybody clap for my man. <laughs> Jeff, thank you, brother, man. I'm going to hey, come around, you. give you a hug, man. Such and an it's, it's great seeing you again, man. And uh, don't forget, man, part two, put in the Sway and Tech suicide section. Just let everybody know. <laughs> they read this, put it like a pill in the book. Like, take this.
because it's going to be depressing. But um, but I think that it needed to be told. Yeah. And, 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 I'm, and I'm thankful for that story, brother. Uh, yeah. I, appreciate, I appreciate. Yeah, man. Yeah. Appreciate you. And again, appreciate congratulations you. on everything that you're doing, man. Um, and I'm gonna come around and give you a hug, man. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Man. Phil moment.